and welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Taylor Rockwell. Thank you to everyone who has listened to our many different episodes this week. We've done the weekend review. We've done listener questions. We did a review of the USA's win over Jamaica in World Cup qualifying. Paul and Sam also did an episode about that for Allocation Disorder. And I had a really good conversation with Steph Yang from The Athletic about the ongoing scandals in the NWSL. All of those episodes are available in the feed. And so to close out this week, I talked with Greg Lalas about the Kicking and Screening Film Festival, how it started, what films will be involved, the selection process, his favorite soccer movies and documentaries, much, much more. Kicking and Screening starts next week on October 12th. It runs through October 15th. There's a link in today's show notes if you want to check out the lineup or get tickets. I'm pretty excited about Casuals. You might hear that in the interview. Uh, The movie that kicks off the festival pun very much not intended on that one uh you'll hear about that enthusiasm you'll hear about the festival and much more in the interview so without further ado today i'm joined by greg lalas who amongst many other things is the co-founder of kicking and screening film festival greg thanks so much for being here ah it's great to be here i'm really really excited i think i can't believe it's the first time we've had you on the show because we have we have met in person many times several times at least uh talked a bunch but but never had you on so i'm excited to get to talk to you with the recorder running it's on the record now and i'm very excited to talk about kicking and screening which is back after a one-year hiatus what was that like to have to postpone and how excited are you to have it back um it was well first of all we are very excited to have it back mm. um you know i will say there's a little bit of uh you know it's a nervous excitement because yeah. even now right obviously the pandemic's not over there's still whatever things happening so um but and and we we expect that to have an impact on the festival but we feel like there's a sense of trying to get back to some sort of normalcy um trying to get back to some sort of um bringing together of the community as we've done for many many years um, I think we missed it last year. We really missed it. We tried to fill it in with some virtual things, but it just, it wasn't the same. Uh, you know, the, 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 the beautiful part about this festival was that it brought the community in New York city, the soccer community together, uh, in a, in a unique way, right? It wasn't, um, you know, sitting at a ripped up turf field, uh, down in Chinatown or something like that. It was, which is a great too. That's a different experience. So, you know, this was everyone together. Let's, you know, think about great stories, have a beer, that kind of thing. So, um, we're excited about this, uh, about getting back together for sure. And seeing how the community has changed over the last 18 months, especially. So how did that idea first come to be? As I understand from uh, my reading, it came about from a blind date with uh, yourself and I think Rachel Marcus. Uh, but how did you all sort of immediately move into bringing together the soccer and film loving community of New York? Yeah, well, you know, uh, interestingly, um, the blind date was set up because the friends who set us up uh, both said, well, you guys like soccer. So you guys, <laughs> oh, there it is, of course, <laughs> right, right. So you'll hit it off. Right. Uh, <laughs> and so very early on uh, we were having dinner and she mentioned that she had tried to do a, a film festival in London and it got canceled at the last minute. And so I was like, well, let's do it here in New York. I mean, you know, how hard can it be to put on a film festival? Right. <laughs> so, and uh, Did she appreciate later, that approach? Cause I feel like in some ways that's like a good attitude to have. And in other ways it's the like, how hard can it be? It's not that hard. Yeah. I mean, to her credit, she did appreciate right, it. Cool. I think she, she, um, she is very much that way too. Uh, so, uh, she is kind of a whirlwind and dynamo, uh, in, in a lot of things. So she, um, three months later we put it on. It was awesome. We had a lot of fun. We, you know, we called in every favor we could from friends and around the city, um, uh, and brought people together. Um, and then a couple of years later we moved, you know, we originally did it in like bars and restaurants and stuff. 
and then we moved into actual theaters and um and it's been going ever since i mean that was in 2009 that that happened so uh, hard to believe it's been what 11 12 years now and how has the sort of selection process evolved what what went into it at first and then how have you all gone about sort of selecting your films and documentaries since then yeah, I think, you know, early on, it was let's go find every film, right? Because we had no presence out there. There was only one other soccer film festival in the world at the time. It was called 11 Millimeters and it was run out of Berlin. Um, and, you know, for them, totally funded by the German government or the Berlin government. So um, a little bit different than our um, uh, less, let's say, uh, socialist uh, uh, way of handling things here. So, um but so early on, it was, you know, we would just sort of look around for films that we thought were fun. And so like in 2009, right, we showed a film from 2002 or something like that. Right. There was just films that had never been seen really in the United States. So um, we we picked our films that way. Um, over time, we started to build up, uh, you know, a little bit of a following and we got our name out there. So people started to come with to us for films. And, um, and that's what's changed a lot. Now we probably get a hundred submissions a year between features and shorts and things like that. Um, and so, you know, we have much more to choose from. It makes it a little bit harder. That's Rachel's job. Um, my job is to spread the word as much as possible. Um, and so, you know, the film quality just continues to go up and up and up, um, which is great. And by the way, now there are probably 10 annual soccer film festivals around the world. I feel like, you know, what 11 millimeter did originally and then what we did um, has inspired others to say, oh, what a great idea. Right. And now there's one in Bilbao and there's one in um, there's a joint one in Sao Paulo and Rio. Uh, there's a little one in Mexico. So it's like they're all over the place. Yokohama Football Film Festival uh, was like the third one that came on. So they're all over now, um, which is awesome. Because yeah. uh, with the more we have, the better. Like, And it's funny, every like couple months, I I see something online of like the, a new film festival in a new uh, country, Chile just uh, start launched one or, or one just launched in Chile about, uh, I don't know, two months ago. So that's kind of really exciting too. We, we know them all. There's like a group WhatsApp with like all the soccer film festivals around the world and they talk about films and that kind of stuff. So um, it's been a pretty cool journey over the last uh, 10, 12 years. Do you all try to coordinate it all as to who's showing what or who has like first rights to certain movies or is it okay if there's overlap? Um, we don't, uh, think that there's a problem with overlap because ultimately the audiences are local in that way. So it, you know, look, the reality is no one is traveling to Berlin who doesn't live within a hundred miles or of Berlin in that way. Right. So, um, it's more along the lines of like, Hey, we just saw this great film or we saw that you've got this film that you're going to show. Can you tell us more about it? Or can you, um, put us in touch with the producers? And we're all kind of like really these kind of like, I don't know, we're just like a community, right? So yeah. we're like, totally, here's the producer's phone number. Nice. Give him a call, right? We're, we're not, we're not competing in that way. And I am glad that it's expanded because, though I'm sure it's not the case, when I think of a Berlin film festival, I immediately think of like black and white still images of a soccer <laughs> ball while Werner Herzog narrates. So I'm glad that there is more variety uh, to these things. You mentioned audiences being local. There is a streaming component to this, right? You don't just have to be in New York to participate. Uh, yes, although being in New York, you do get the you know the sirens. In there the we go. <laughs> it's just so much more exciting for a soccer fan. I don't know what is going on out there. So um, on behalf of uh, all of New York City, I apologize. Um, 
There is a virtual uh, component to that. Uh, we're going to announce the virtual uh, series uh, very soon. Um, it's uh, cleverly called the Kicking and Streaming series. Ah, I think uh, you've got yeah. it. Huh? Um, so, yeah, there will be – we have, I think, right now 11 films that will be available for streaming for about a week or so. Um, uh, after the live events, then all the films will be available for streaming. So people outside of the U.S. even can watch it and across the United States. But if you are in and around the New York area, this one would be from October 12th to the 15th. What is the schedule? Uh, what are the, the films that you all are going to be running? So we're opening with a film called Casuals, yeah, yeah. which is um, it's actually from 2011, but it's never been uh, screened theatrically in the United States. So it is the U.S. premiere of this film. Um, and it's a fascinating story about the fashion and subculture, youth subculture of the U.K. in the 70s and 80s, where these kids would, you know, travel with their teams into Europe and they would, I mean, honestly, they would just steal clothes from places across Europe. And it was all the kind of, um, you know, sportswear, if you will, right? Like leisure sportswear. So think about like Fila and Sergio Tacchini and Lacoste and um, uh, Stone Island and things like that, you know, like, like, you know, like windbreakers, right? <laughs> things like that. Um, and so, and they would come back and they would wear this on the terraces. And that was the fashion of the terraces back in the day. And sort of, they set some trends. So that film is going to, um, screen on opening night, which is October 12th, um, at a place called the Scandinavia house in midtown Manhattan. Um, and then on Wednesday, October 13th is a film that's really cool. It's, um, a premiere of a film called big time soccer. Uh, which is about the rise and fall of the NASL. So any like soccer history buff out there is going to geek out over this film. At least I, I did, I should say. Um, and, you know, great interviews with Clive Toy, who was basically responsible for signing Pelé at the Cosmos. And, you know, everyone you can think of like Rodney Marsh and Ray Hudson and Thomas Rongan and um, Dave DeRico and all these great voices and, and names from the NASL are included in this. It's made by uh, Rachel Violette, who is actually Dennis Violette's daughter, um, so has a connection to the NASL herself. Um, and it's great. It's it's a real like um, homage to what a wild and crazy thing the original NASL was. Um, so we're excited about that. Um, and then. Night three is a film called Rayados 75, which is about uh, the Mexican club Monterrey and their 75th season when they went to the Club World Cup final. They were the CONCACAF Champions League winners. They uh, also won Liga MX with this like incredible uh, penalty kick shootout at, uh, at Azteca against Club America. So um, an amazing year. And they were basically, these filmmakers, a guy named Fernando, Fernando Califa was basically in with Monterey this season. So it's got this inside view of the whole thing. Um, and that dovetails so nicely into closing night because the team that Monterey played in the final of the Club World Cup was, of course, Liverpool. Um, and closing night is a film called End of the Storm, which is the inside view of Liverpool's Premier League title season. Um, and they have amazing access to Jurgen Klopp, and uh, Alison Becker and, you know, Firmino and some of these other players that you, we watch every day, every week and sort of marvel at um, and to hear their stories during the pandemic. I mean, it's incredible. Some of the stuff that uh, but you, the thing that comes out of that film is how amazing Jurgen Klopp really is 
as a person. Um, kind of an amazing story. So uh, we're excited about that. Um, that yeah. close night film. What, what what is it that comes through about Klopp? Like, is there anything in particular? Is it just the way he managed the squad and kept people going during the pandemic, or are there other other things aside from that? You know, um, it, that personality he has, right? Mm-hmm. That um, the like he's just a, he's a human being. Right? He doesn't come across as like a, a robot. He's obviously extremely intelligent when it comes to the game, but um, but it's not all about the game, right? And he has all kinds of different ways of getting to players and motivating players. At one point in the film, you see that he goes and gets like um, uh, he, he he brings in a German uh, what is he? He's like a big wave surfer, right? Mm-hmm. And like, how does this guy calm down his nerves? Right. When he's about to go to Nazaré in Portugal and go to like a hundred foot, you know, whatever those at Mavericks or, you know, all that kind of stuff where these guys surf. It's like, well, how do you bring your nerves down? Right. So that now can Van Dyke bring his nerves down when something goes wrong? Right. Um, they do like breathing exercises and Klopp is just he's there. He's always almost trying to improve his players. Mental ability is like 90 percent of what he's doing. Um, it's, it's amazing to watch. It's really, really cool. I am just picturing Patrick Swayze from Point Break coming in to give that talk <laughs> since he is all, all about that gigantic wave. But all right, I, I'm into that. I'm also very much into the big time soccer uh, story about the NASL because we've gotten the Cosmos story. We've gotten like different little looks, but I, I do feel like it always ends up being told from a Cosmos and Pele perspective. Is that where big time soccer goes or is it more about the kind of broader league how it started and then what happened after it went away yeah so look obviously the cosmos is such an important um factor in uh the nasl when you think about its global appeal but the film does a really nice job of actually spreading it out right and talking to people like i I think like ray hudson i think has the final word kind of thing you know the way he talks about it and and his love of it right or the stories of of that Rodney Marsh tells uh, about the game and what it was like back then and what coming over here to play. And these are guys who were legit in England, right? And they were like, no, I want to go there. I want to go play there. It's going to be fun. Rodney Marsh was like a, a true creative player in the top divisions in England. And he was, you know, revered. And he came over when he was still had, uh, you know, his legs. And, and he, you know, and he tells just stories about like the craziness of it all. Right. And so, um, it, it's not only about the cosmos, which I think is really nice. And it, and it's also, it, it connects to, um, a moment that happened a couple of years ago when, uh, a bunch of NASL alums were brought down to Dallas for sort of like an NASL appreciation night that happened around an FC Dallas match. Um, and so there's like a touch, a touch point to today as well. Um, and Clive Toy says it best uh, in the film when he says the legacy of the NASL is spelled S-O-C-C-E-R. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, without what the NASL did, for all of its failings at the end, right, and we can debate and argue whether the Cosmos were good or bad for it, that kind of thing. It did build a foundation upon which soccer was able to to grow for the next 30 years. Um, so it's it's really cool in that way. Is there one, uh, like, obviously, they're all sort of, you have a vested interest in all of them going well, but is there one that you think will resonate more than the others? Is there one that you particularly enjoyed of the four we've mentioned? Um, I think that uh, 
for me, it is big time soccer just because I'm an American soccer guy, right? So like the other films are not necessarily about America or soccer in America. And so there's an element of it for me, which is a little bit more emotional. I know that like the Liverpool film is going to do well. There's tons of Liverpool fans in the United States and certainly in New York. So I think that they're going to come out. Um, but big time soccer for me that story of that time, like I, I used to watch the NASL. I'd watch, you know, Seamus Mallon calling games and things like that, you know, and I'd go and watch the Detroit Express. And, and like, so you, there's an emotional connection to the history of that and the past of that, um, which I think is really cool. And look, you, you know how sort of new the soccer audience in the U.S. is right now. Um, and I think there are a lot of people that don't really recognize the history of the game here. And I'm not even talking about going all the way back to Bethlehem steel, right? That's a whole other, you know, that's another documentary that needs to be told. But, um, but even going back 30 years to the NASL, I think there's some real value for new fans to appreciate that and, and understand it. Um, so I hope that they do. And I think that this film does a really nice job of, of explaining why, you know, Pele and Shep Messing are standing next to Mick Jagger at a party. Um, and then why, you know, the Fort Lauderdale strikers versus um, the Tampa Bay Rowdies was such an amazing rivalry back in the day. Um, so great stories. You know? All right. I'm into it. I'm into it. I'm guessing our, our listenership will be as well. I think a, a good percentage of our listeners, or at least the listeners who are also on Twitter, are probably into the fashion side of things as well, the new kits, yep. the, 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 the pretty footwear. Uh, and that's where I think casuals it, it sounds pretty cool from what I read of it. I have not seen it yet. Uh, but yep. I, I did want to ask you, was there like one particular item that started the trend of stealing stuff? Or was it just, hey, we're, we're on vacation, we're stealing some things? <laughs> Um, I think it was just we're on vacation. We're yeah. stealing things, right? But like, you know, you know who was there? One of their like um, uh, fashion icons was uh, Bjorn Borg. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because he was like, a, I think he was sponsored by Fila back in the day, uh, and so like he was like an icon of that look. Um, and come on, he, he's like the coolest dude ever from the early late seventies and early eighties, right? So. Oh wow, yeah. I mean, I had I I feel like I mixed him up with like Rudy Voller somehow. Like I remembered him having the Jerry curl, the headband with the sort of long hair mullet look is always a yeah. solid one. How much of this inspired your brother is now my question. Oh man, um, honestly, <laughs> uh, I don't know what inspired. Him. Honestly, look, it, uh, he was probably much more inspired by the lead singer of. of Def Leppard or Rat than he was by Bjorn Borg. Um, so <laughs> I, sh- I should have known that was coming. We have to get at yeah. least one Rat reference in whenever there's a Lalas on the program. Yes. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. That's that's really cool. All right. Well, then I, w- I will be sure to, to check that one out. I'm not in New York, so I probably can't do it in person, but I look forward to being able to stream that at some point. In the meantime, we do get a bunch of questions from listeners about our recommendations for movies, for documentaries, sometimes for shows. Uh, I'm, I'm going to guess Ted Lasso is probably the answer when it comes to TV shows. But for you, do you have particularly favorite uh, soccer movies or documentaries? Uh, yeah, totally. Um, so from a documentary standpoint, look, uh, The Two Escobars is yep. obviously just way up there. It's such a good film. Um, well made, great story. Uh for many of us who were around in the 94 World Cup, it has, you know, real emotional connection to it. 
Um, but there are lots of really good documentaries that have been made out there. There's one called Argentina Football Club that comes to mind, which was about um, the rivalry between Boca and uh, River Plate uh, down in Argentina, which is amazing. Um, there's one called Football for Better or for Worse, which is uh, an inside story at FC Rosengard, which is a big uh, women's club in Sweden. It's actually where Marta played uh, for a while. And it's it's a look at they they brought in a new GM and she was just fighting so hard for, you know, equity and equality uh, in the women's game in Europe. And that's what this film is really about. Um, and that's that's a great film. Um, another one that I really like was called uh, Soka Africa, which is about the trafficking of players from Africa to Europe and sort of what happens to players when it doesn't go very well. Um, so that's a good one. Uh, a couple other films to think about. Let me think through this a little bit. Soka Africa. Yeah. Soka Africa. S O K A, and then Africa with a Africa with a K actually, um, which is really good. Um, God, there's so many we've shown over the years. Um, the Cosmos film, right? Once in a Lifetime is great. Um, and there was another one that was called The Game of Their Lives. Yep. And there's there's The Game of Your Lives. That's the U.S. one. But there's also a film called The Game of Your Lives, uh, Game of Their Lives, which is a UK one, which was actually about the 1966 North Korean team that beat Italy. That's right. That's and this right. guy, yeah, this guy named Daniel Gordon, who has made actually probably the last five FIFA World Cup recap films, right? Um, he goes to North Korea and interviews the five remaining players from that team, uh, which is kind of amazing. It's just an amazing story because you also get into North Korea and things. It's just incredible. Um, God, let me think what else. In, in oh. terms of like conventional movies, like, uh, you know, narrative beginning, middle end, uh, like, is it is it still just uh, like mean, uh, not mean machine, the big green? Is the big green up there? Is goal, the goal trilogy? I'm sure you're a huge fan of all three of those. Uh, I mean, I love the Gold Trilogy. I, I don't believe you. <laughs> kind of like The Godfather, it went off the rails on number three. But <laughs> it's like, uh, but you know, the fact that we're talking about the Gold Trilogy, true, true, in the same sentence with Godfather Trilogy, eh, you know, take it for what it is. Um, <laughs> you know, the the traditional ones. I I still think Ben like Beckham is a great film. Yeah, good call. I think it's fun. It's entertaining. It has a good message. Um, you know, it's it's got some good actors in it and things like. I think it's I think it's a great film um, and always will. But ultimately, the for me, the sort of er soccer film, if you will, is always going to be Victory. Um, or if you're from the UK, Escape to Victory. Uh, so uh, for me, that's such a, a fantastic, absurd film that was made by. Uh, literally, it brought a uh, an Oscar-winning director out of retirement to make it. He was so into it. John Huston was. Um, and then, you know, Michael Caine and Pelé and Sylvester Stallone playing the role he was born to play. It's um, <laughs> kind of, you know, the ignorant American who, yeah. makes, you know, and is only good with his hands. And then guys like Ozzy Ardiles and Bobby Moore are in there and John Wark and um, uh, Paul Summerby. It's like amazing players that were part of this whole thing. So, um, yeah. I, I of victory which by the way just turned 40 in july 40 years since victory came out Amazing. i really enjoyed on, on the uh, kicking and screening site there was the interview with Werner roth uh talking about the making of victory and everything that went into it and his 
His comments on Sylvester Stallone being like, nah, I didn't know what he was doing, but he had a lot of good energy. <laughs> but then also <laughs> hurt himself and then had to do a bunch more takes while playing injured. Yeah, it felt it felt like he was the right guy. It was always hilarious to me, even as a kid, that it's like clearly shoehorning in ways for like a Brazilian to be a POW. And then there's just an American in there who's now a goalkeeper. I really enjoyed the kind of thrown together uh, aspect of that one of the, the squad they assembled. Yeah, Luis Fernandez from Trinidad. <laughs> yeah, there it is, of course. <laughs> that, was, that was Pelé's name. He was like, uh, you know, Corporal Luis Fernandez, and he was from Trinidad, where mm-hmm. he grew up the, playing with the oranges. And so, the the oh, fearsome man. Trinidad army that was heavily involved yes. in World War II, of course. The, the Soka Warriors, man. <laughs> my, they called my, that for a reason. My mistake. <laughs> you win. You You made a point. I yield here. Uh, I will ask you before I let you go. Uh, for people who are in and around the New York City area, how can they attend? Uh, how can they get tickets? And then for folks who maybe want to stream, what would be the options uh, theoretically down the road? Yeah, uh, just go to kickingandscreening.com and all the information is there. You can follow us on Twitter. Uh, KS Film Fest is what we are on Twitter. Uh, those are probably the two best places to get the information you need. Um, and at, at Kicking Screen right now, I've got info on all the films, the ticket links, trailers, everything that you could want to uh, get yourself prepared for what's going to be a, a really awesome kick-ass week, I think. Well, Greg Lalas, thank you so much for uh, being here, talking about kicking and screening and the Trinidad Army and, and, you know, I think really making me see some things. I've learned some things today. I hope our listeners have as well. But thank you again for being here. I appreciate it. And thanks for all your help and support. Of course. Listeners, uh, thank you all for your help and support uh, on both of these things. And uh, with that, we will talk to you all very soon.